0: The team that won the championship was a team, I think the fifth team that took the field that, that night that we won in Bristol, every single one of those players have been told that they weren't good enough at one other club. So, we were a bunch of misfits who were all told you weren't good enough with a chip on our shoulders and we were going to play the favourites. So, you couldn't ask for better. Um, and we went out. And I think that, has always been something at Chiefs. It's always been probably only to the last three years, three, four years where it's kind of been we've established ourselves as a top top four, hopefully top two team in, in England. Now we've just got to establish ourselves as a top team in Europe.
1: Hello and welcome back. This is Exeter Real. I am Tracy Duke and this is where leaders create leaders. Produced by Felix Northover and recorded in current circumstances via Zoom, we ask the question, what does it take to thrive in a world of both challenge and opportunity? And most importantly, how do we build the resilience and leadership skills to get us there? In this unprecedented time of global chaos and uncertainty, we as leaders, entrepreneurs and change makers need to dig deep and draw on our innate abilities to problem solve, innovate and instill a sense of calm and to lead with confidence and now more than ever we need to be getting clear on facts differentiating between what's real and what's hype and building common-sense conversations around the truth to make the best decisions for those relying on us and now more than ever before we need to bring our focus back to our own mental health and wellness in order to bring our skill sets to the table and to continue thriving Resilience, trust, and vision. If I had to pin down the traits needed to get through these unprecedented times of challenge to just three, I'd have to choose these. Resilience to recover quickly from the knockbacks we'll all face. Trust to know that we will emerge stronger from setbacks. And vision to look beyond the circumstances we currently find ourselves in. My guest today is Gareth Steenson a man whose contribution to his club's performance has secured his place in Rugby's Hall of Fame as one of the Rugby Premiership's greatest ever point scorers, along with names such as Johnny Wilkinson, Jimmy Gopperth, Owen Farrell, and Danny Cipriani. One of the original Exeter Chiefs, he's helped his team to reach the 2016 Premiership Rugby Finals at Twickenham and was awarded the prestigious Golden Boot as the highest scoring Premiership kicker that season. The following year, in 2017, he started the final at Twickenham, scored two conversions and three penalties, including the winning points, to defeat WASPs and be crowned champions of the 2016-2017 English Premiership. The overall success of any team comes down to the strength of the pack, of that there is no doubt. But more often than not, in rugby, it's often the goal kickers that make the difference. The pressure on their shoulders is immense, especially when they're carrying the entire way to the premiership in front of a global audience. In May 2017, I was there at Twickenham with my son Dylan. We had the privilege of having front row seats at the home of England Rugby when the capacity crowd of 82,000 fell silent to watch the man now in front of me take his place in front of the posts and kick a winning conversion to steal the glory from WASPs during penalty time and secure Exeter Chief's title as Premiership Champions. I swear it still gives me goosebumps to think about it now, an incredible achievement encompassing those very three traits, resilience, trust, and vision. Stino, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the podcast today from your home in Exeter and with your lovely wife, Karen, beside you. Um, you know, I always come away from our chats with some nugget of inspiration and wisdom, and I know tonight will be no different. So welcome.
0: Hello, how are you doing, Tracy? All right?
1: I am good. That was an introduction, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> it was a big introduction, yeah.
1: I actually genuinely had goosebumps reading that. That was bizarre. It was... <laughs> You know, I think it was one of those moments in history that just you will know, we'll just stay with you.
0: Yeah, um, as much as I remember, I actually remember through a television screen now. So it's kind of hard to actually pinpoint exactly what it looks like on the field. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's, a, it's a, a great memory to, to have. And um, yeah. hopefully, there'll be a few more, hopefully, before we actually have to hang the boots up, but who knows?
1: well i'm sure I'm pretty sure that there will be i mean obviously we're in pretty strange times right now, you know, I know it's strange it's 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 bizarre for all of us um but um you know we will get through it because said yeah, we will get through it so first off, how have you been how's it how's how's lockdown life been
0: <laughs> it's it's well, it's bizarre, but i think in terms of where we're at it it's it's all right that um you know we get we get a bit of a routine what we have in this house we try to keep everything especially with the homeschooling our two boys a seven and a five year old um homeschooling our kids kind of gives us a, a a weekly basis so we know when monday morning the lessons come out and we know that there's a structure to the day um and we kind of just fill our days in around that um yeah. with karen going out to work still as a gp you know she's working three days a week which means that we still kind of have like a normalish sort of week. The only difference is I don't leave the house and um, the boys don't leave the house, but Karen gets to go and she's still working. So, um, you know, we have that sort of normality and a little bit the fact that when we get to the weekends, it's quite nice. that we actually have like a switch off point where we all are are together and it's completely different and alien to us that we get weekends off because, you know, I'd say for the last 15 years, I haven't had weekends off, so it's quite nice, really.
1: Oh, well, it sounds, I mean, I follow you on Instagram, and I can see all the, you know, the, what you're getting up to, and the boys, I know you're keeping them busy and fit, as well as the schooling, which is, you know, it's that? They're
0: actually... keeping me busy and fit, Tracy. to be fair, they're the ones driving <laughs> me, and I'm just, you know, back even this evening, I'm back from a bike ride, with my, my oldest is, has taken to his new bike and uh, he's very excited about it. And uh, um, it's a fight to try and tell him, look, we can't go because um, the little fella hasn't quite mastered it yet. So um, I can't take them both out in bikes just as yet. But look, it's, it's like anything. If the weather keeps good, um, we, get, we can get op- opportunities to get outside of the house, which we're quite lucky here. We have the op- options to you know if we want to get out on our bikes we can go and exercise which is great you know we've got a bit of room around the house if we want to go and hit a ball against the wall or a bit of cricket or whatever it is you know we can do all that so um i guess like i said we try to keep them busy um try and keep them away from television uh as best we can and uh, it's it's going okay at the minute like but it is it is frustrating there's no point in pretending it's not like it's uh it's, yeah. it's not easy um anything you see on Instagram probably looks good because uh, I'm not putting any photographs up of anybody sitting on naughty steps or any of that so um, maybe I'll have to put those up so you get a real sort of vision of it.
1: I remember those naughty step days well I've got three boys and I'm right there with you I know exactly what it's like. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Um, well, it's good to see you looking so well. Anyway, and carrying your wife next to you, um you know, you both look happy and vibrant. So things are not not too bad.
0: <laughs> well, a few bags on my eyes, like you know, from chasing after kids. It's fine.
1: We're just audio. No one needs to know that. Okay. <laughs> it's good.
0: Okay. It's good. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, let's let's jump into to conversation then. And I want to kick things off with um, with a thought process that that you know I've been thinking about for a while. With obviously I'm a fan of the Chiefs. I've followed you guys for years. Um, we first met back during Rugby World Cup 2015 days, which seems a long time ago now. Um, but um, you know the management and culture at Exeter Chiefs, um, which is a club obviously that's been part of your life for what kind of coming on 13 years now, um, has been likened to that of the All Blacks. I don't know if you've heard that um, that kind of reflection before. Um, but there's in that there is an emphasis on humility and authenticity from the club, kind of keeping it real, keeping it humble. And I know sometimes that's something that you talk a lot about. Um, that's very much, that's definitely the resounding message that comes from from every area of the club, really. Um, one of the books that I love, I don't know whether you've read it, is a book called Legacy by James Kern. It's the story of the All Blacks. It's a really, if you haven't read it, it's a really great, it's a great book. I mean, for me, it's my absolute go-to for kind of business and life inspiration, really. Um, um, it's, you know, there's a lot of profound teaching and wisdom that comes from, um, from their culture there. Um, and something I read and I read, reread the other day, um, and I was reminded of this saying, which goes to know how to win, you first have to know how to lose and to know how to lose. You first have to know who you are as a man, as a player. Um, I'm going to throw that at you and ask you what that means to you, what that initially brings to mind.
0: Well. I, my career, you could basically say it, has been based on being told you wasn't good enough at something. So even whenever I was a kid, um, going through to get into, you know, I, I, my dream was to play for Ulster rugby, to play for Irish rugby. Um, I spent two, three years in an academy system trying to get through that system. Um, I was brought in, sat down, told, sorry, Gareth, you're not good enough. You're going to have to go and get a real job or take a leap of faith, which I was quite fortunate that my parents at the time were very good to me. They said, look, you know, we'll support you in whatever way you want to do it. I obviously had a dream that I wanted to go and go at. I just went a different route to a lot of people these days. I ended up going over to England, going to Rotherham, and a championship club t- team I hadn't heard nothing about, quite frankly. Um, went and took a leap of faith there, I had a good year, but the whole goal was to try and get back to Ulster um so for one year it was like go play rugby hopefield pick me up didn't happen ended up getting picked up by cornish Pirates. so that was another opportunity do i again do i go home do i pull the pin do i go get a job or do i go and chase my dream took another leap of faith went down to cornwall knew nothing about it and just took another risk went down there and it's again no you know a Make no secret of it, when I was there, I was always trying to get back home. The whole dream was still to wear a green jersey, play for Ireland, play for Ulster. Um, Every time I'd speak to my agent, it was like, can we get home? What's the story? And didn't happen. And Exeter came in asking for me. And when I got there, you could see that there was an ambitious club. You could see that this was a different kind of move. It was obviously a move to a team in the same league. That I'd been playing in but it was a team that generally looked like it wanted to go places, had the facilities, had all the things in place mm. and then when I got here it was again just about establishing myself as a in the the whole brand that Exeter Chiefs was and within two years we got ourselves into the Premiership and ultimately that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be playing at the highest possible level I could be. Now obviously uh, everyone wants to play international rugby, every rugby player wants to um, but for me, it was about getting to the highest level and playing Premiership Rugby for me at the time was the highest level I was going to be looking to play at. Mm-hmm. Then it was about becoming a Heighton Cup player and it just sort of snowballed a little bit and I think I sort of came through at a time when we were getting extra Chiefs players in. The, the team that won the championship was a team, I think the fifteen that took the field that, that night that we won in Bristol. Every single one of those players have been told that they weren't good enough at one other club. So we were a bunch of misfits who were all told you weren't good enough with a chip on our shoulders and we were going to play the favourites. So you couldn't ask for better. Um, and, we went out. and I think that has always been something at Chiefs. It's always been probably only to the last three years, three, four years, where it's kind of been we've established ourselves as a top, top four, hopefully top two team in, in England. Now we're just going to establish ourselves as the top team in Europe,
1: mm, for sure. And so incredibly frustrating that this, I and mean, with with the absolute respect to what's going out, going on out there, and you know those that are that are really desperately struggling, um, what a desperately sad time for for rugby in general. I think for this to have happened now.
0: Well, yeah, but again, if it even happened at the start of the year you could say the same problem, you know, it's 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 obviously frustrating. Look, don't get me wrong, we were in such a terrific place as a club. Um you know, to be sitting with a home quarter final in the in the Heineken Cup was what we wanted to go after. We made no secret of it this season. We wanted to try and be in in the latter stages of the Heineken Cup to get ourselves into that position, then to be sitting top of the premiership where we were at. Um was a great place to be, and we would just come off the back of having a week off. I think that was uh when the time the Prem Cup final was on, so we were all we were kind of feeling refreshed. Um, but we never came back out of that. We just literally had a week off, which turned into seven or eight weeks, whatever we're at now. So, um, it is frustrating, but again, nothing we can control on that. So, you kind of have to just get on with it a little bit, and if the powers of be allow us to go and play rugby again this year, finish the season fantastic um but again you know you can only control your cont- controllables and yeah. hopefully we can get back to it
1: yeah well it'll it'll happen it might take a little longer than we want but it'll happen right
0: all being well yeah well we're look, like, you know we're in regular contact all the lads are obviously wanting to know what's going on when the potential would be if we can get back out and um you know um If we can, great, but again, it's like a week, it's no control over it whatsoever.
1: Yeah, exactly. Control. Can you just say it? Control the controllables. You can't change what's going on out there, but you can control how you feel about it, right?
0: Yeah, you can control how you feel about it. You can control what you do as well. You could very easily, like, let's face it, um, we've been off for six, seven weeks. We could easily sit here in front of the TV for six, seven weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And when and if we come back to it, we have been in no shape to come back to it. I know for a fact none of the lads are doing that, which is great to see. They're out and they're training and they're working hard. Um, and that is just putting a real positive mindset and it still shows a togetherness in the group that um, if we do come out of this, which I really hope we do, and we get to finally finish off the season and all that hard work that we did leading into the year, it mm-hmm. uh, doesn't go amiss. And, you know, um it would be a great story if we can get through and but again ultimately it's not anything we can do about only thing we can control is what we do with ourselves at home so hopefully we we'll can keep ourselves right
1: what's been the most profound understanding that you've learned about yourself over the last few years
0: uh, well, in terms of the leadership skills uh, and that sort of thing, it's just the confidence and understanding how I perform. What makes me tick, you know. The biggest thing that you kind of have to get your head around is so we all want to achieve the same thing at the club, you know, right down from Tony Rowe right down to you know the stewards. You know, we want to achieve, we want to win things. Um, the biggest thing is making sure everybody goes in the same direction to do that. But it's understanding what one person, you know, for the likes of, let's take an example of um, Jack Knoll, for instance. His goals might be very different to mine um, in terms of he might want to go and represent the British and Irish Lions um, and play X amount of games for England. Um, but he still wants to win this, the Premiership of the Chiefs. Well, what's my general goal? My general goal is to make sure the club's better. Um, but so again, different things go in different directions, but it's about making sure for us as a team, for Jack to achieve his goal of becoming a British and Irish lion. Um, he needs the extra chiefs to be willing. So we all need to be going in one direction. And I think the biggest thing that we kind of find is, as a club is, um, you know, we all buy into what we're trying to achieve. Um and that's right. That's not just the playing staff, that's you know, physios, coaching staff, everything. Girls in the ticket office. Everybody wants the Chiefs to be successful. Um and for that to happen, we all have to, you know, get on board and do the same thing. So I think leadership terms sort of comes across from everybody. You kinda you have to have a bit of onus on yourself, especially in these times, it's the best thing because like I said earlier, lads could be sitting at home watching T V and doing nothing but it takes them to get themselves up in motivation to go up and do that. Um, and I know for a fact that the lads, you know, we've got ourselves a little WhatsApp group, which we all send in messages to one another, encouraging each other to get out there and train and keep themselves fit and testing each other ultimately. So, um, you know, I think, you know, it, the best bit that you can do as a leader is sort of just knowing what your team is and knowing what sort of works and what makes people tick is the massive thing. And get the message across that we all we're all in the same boat and we all want to achieve the same thing.
1: Yeah. How do you how do you deal with it when you know there might be a player? And I this doesn't isn't just a question for you know for for the Chiefs, but in general, if there's how do you kind of re-motivate? How do you re-inspire? How do you keep someone going when there is the potential for? You know, maybe to sort of get off track a little bit and lose the focus during something like this.
0: Um, well, Was
1: it talking to them is communication.
0: It is. Communication is the ultimate big thing. You know, when you also are, uh, you know, you obviously, a rugby scene is really easy to look at because, you know, it's over nine months, you have an end goal, um, and it's real simple. You can say, All right, we want to win the premiership. But along the way, there are so many different things can and can't happen. Um, everyone will probably get lose a bit of motivation at some point. It's just a human nature. It happens. Um, certain things can happen. Injuries can happen. Loss of form. All these little bits and pieces. Um, but ultimately, every time that we always talk very much when we go into into work every day, it's making sure you come out better at the end of that day, mm-hmm. and not worrying so much about. Um, what happens at the weekend because ultimately the weekend will look after itself if you look after that particular moment in front of you so you kind of simplify it as much as you possibly can um, you know the biggest thing is if you look too far ahead in the future you probably miss what's right in front of your nose
1: yeah yeah I I'd, I'd like that so there's a lot of talk about mindfulness and how because life has slowed down just a little bit we all seem to be just that little bit more aware of what's going on right in front of our nose, as you are saying. you know, even, you know, on a kind of a, a, a profounder note, even just kind of noticing the blossom and the bird song and, and just being more in tune with our partners and, and people around us. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know, I can't remember the last time that I felt like that and it, and it is it's like let's not worry well, we don't we can't we don't know what's a week two weeks three weeks just we can look after the moment
0: no well, we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow
1: so. you've got homeschooling um, <laughs> yeah
0: but again, I don't know what's going to happen whether it'll be a lot of naughty stepping or what but um, <laughs> yeah it's um like like you said it's um it's important to you know takes i think this is it's whenever this is over people the way of life will have changed completely. Um, you know, people are going to be doing, you know, I find myself talking to people more. I've reached out and I've been speaking to, like, even at the weekend, there, uh, I was speaking to friends that I went to school with and I haven't spoke to them in 18 years, you know, when I had a full-on, you know, two-hour conversation with them. You know, so you're catching up with people you haven't maybe caught up with, and mm-hmm. you can see that simpler things can happen. I know we've even found... You know, with the kids, simple things, even going for walks in around places we live. We did, we found a village we didn't even know was beside us. Do you know what I mean? So, we're going out and we're doing these things, we're finding more, you know, almost just enjoying, you know, being able to just go out and be about and do simple things and not picking up your phone and
1: yeah.
0: sitting in front of a screen all the time. Um, so albeit you are sitting in front of a screen, you know, doing Zoom meetings or whatever, yeah. but. Do you know what I mean? Like you can find time not to be sitting on your phone and doing other things. Yeah. Is
1: that the thing that surprised you most about this time?
0: I think, yeah, it is. But again, I'm, I've am i no doubt, this is only, I'm only speaking from my experience. I know, I'm sure, obviously, we're, we're quite busy because we've got kids and we've got um, homeschooling has to be done, all these bits and pieces. I've got to try and keep training. Karen's got her work to do. So I'm very aware that I'm in a completely different scenario to say, a fella who lives on his own and um, he does his training in the morning and then he sits on his PlayStation, you know. So I'm very, I'm sure if you were to ask every player, for instance, an extra Chiefs, they'll tell you a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just the scenario that we're in and the one that we sort of know about.
1: Yeah, I heard a really beautiful quote this morning um, and that was, that we might all be in different boats but we're all facing the same storm and yeah yeah. and that you know what we've all we've all got our own challenges to face our own journeys to face i think this time is going to teach us all so much about ourselves um and like you say i mean it's so different and we can't I think we have to be very sensitive because we all have our journeys. Some are going to be much harder on a scale to one to 10, you know, some are going to be so much worse than others. I know personally, I'm, I'm kind of feel like I'm thriving during this time. And I think that's potentially because I've stepped back a little bit and I'm not racing. I've just slowed everything down and realized there isn't that pressure, that rush. And I like that feeling if I'm really honest. Um, and but it's still being massively respectful of, of what others are going through. So th- th- let's jump back into to the, the traits that I was talking to you about before. So resilience, trust and vision. Um, it's easy to say that, but they don't necessarily come easily to everybody um obviously as a a leader and part of a a, you know a a high performance team such as you are you've got to work on have there been any aspects any of those traits or or any other traits that you've really found you've had to work on you know whether that might be resilience whether it might be the belief I know belief is something you talk about a lot what have you had to work on
0: You've got to have a belief and trust in what you're ultimately trying to do. So we obviously have game plans and stuff, but our game plan has not just happened overnight. And it certainly hasn't happened in two or three years. That's been something that since I've been at the club, we've been building on. The good thing that we've always found at the Chiefs is we haven't really ever sat. Because we were quite new into the Premiership, we always felt every time was a learning curve. So every game you played, regardless if you won by 50 or you lost by 50, we would come out better the other side. That was always something we always wanted to do. Um, and It's probably easy in sport because you can always keep achieving. Um, Even, you know, where we're sitting now, as a team, we wanted to be better in Europe. Um, We've won the Premiership, but we've only won it once. We haven't won it here three times. Um, You know, we... Have to achieve better, we still feel we're we're getting there, um, but we've still a lot more to do. I think just a confidence thing as a group, we're now seeing ourselves very much as a team that we believe we're gonna win every game of play, which is a huge thing to be whereas if i if you were to ask me six seven years ago what we were like, I said, well, if we play well today, we're gonna to win, or we give ourselves a chance to win whereas now i could I could safely say that. We've underperformed today, but we've we've come out with a win. We've come out with maybe not winning with a bonus point. That's the kind of difference we're at now. And that's the confidence that's in the side. I'm not saying every game you go out, you will win if you underperform, because very rarely do you. But um, we're at a different point mindset-wise. that There's a belief amongst the coaching staff, amongst the side, that we are a good team, a good unit, and we all understand what we're trying to do and if we click like we know we can click we can we can achieve whatever we want in in the game mm-hmm. so um hopefully we'll see the perfect performance one day from us um it hasn't happened yet Um trust <laughs> me on that because we go in on monday morning we have seen some
1: pretty time. close ones though <laughs> To perfect
0: close, but trust me when you go in on monday morning we review games i'm yet to have one where it's um well done boys that was absolutely phenomenal let's move on to the next one i'm not happened yet and, <laughs> it'll be a strange day when that actually happens maybe it's whenever we're in the european cup final but i'm sure there'll be something wrong with that if we did that too <laughs> yeah,
1: probably um is is that i guess this is a question for, for both of you now now I, I i kind of feel myself wanting to ask is that the mindset that you instill in your boys um, that kind of belief that anything is possible I know I definitely tried that with my boys in that you know obviously life isn't going to land in your lap but you put the effort and you put the belief in you keep striving I'm guessing that's a mentality that you forward to them
2: and um, yeah well I think it's a very strange situation for them because they see daddy's job as playing rugby for Exeter Chiefs and he's on the television all the time. So they almost see that as normal. Mm. So a bit of them, when you say, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? They say, well, I'm going to be a rugby player and I want to play for the Lions. Mm. You think, well, actually, we need to bring them down and lower expectations a tad. Uh Uh-huh. you want your kids to reach for the stars and you want no barriers in front of them and you will tell them whatever they say they want to do you'll say of course you can do that you'll work hard at it we can help you that will be fine but I think there is a little bit of managing expectation isn't there?
0: Yeah it's a managing expectation <laughs> but like at no point I would still be very much inclined to try and push them as hard oh, as I yeah. possibly can but you know what I mean even for instance like the last week um, just to take in an idea, um, my oldest, he, he's very driven sort of kid. And when he gets his head round something, he is at it, and there's no stopping him. Um, and even just riding his bicycle, um, for instance, you know it had to be done now. And you know he pretty much within two or three days of getting his new bike has now mastered it. Uh, I would never tell him he's mastered it. But he's very confident on it and he can operate. And he's just that type of a kid. Um, the older fella is in him. He's a bit more, he's the Michael McIntyre. But you can tell that um, he is, um, he's very driven as well. He just mm-hmm. likes to clown about a little bit. But then he is 15 months younger. So um, mm-hmm. but my, my, they're, they're very competitive. I'm um, mm-hmm. quite honest. Um, I like that in them. Um, it's something I had a competitive edge with my brother. Um, who was three years older than me and I always wanted to get one up on him so I would never want to take that away from them uh, because ultimately it's what's going to they're going to need it going forward Um, whether they go into a business world or whatever they choose to do if it is sport in the the long run um, whether they want to become GPs like their mother uh, you know they're going to have to be competitive and it's the one to achieve yeah yeah for
1: sure and it's keeping that balance as well isn't it it's kind of you know I know my middle one who you just saw he was just trying to help us with the technology he was he was the joker he was the jester he was but it's kind of getting that balance so you encouraged that drive and that competitiveness and but you don't knock out the kind of um, this the kind of um, you know that the spirit in them you've got to keep that spirit alive as well um, it's um, yeah it's a it's a fine it's a fine balance but i think definitely um you know anything just to encourage them and just keep them we're going into a parenting talk now
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um no it's 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 lo- it's really lovely to see so so okay so so speaking about you know your boys growing up and and um i want to ask you about peer pressure um you know obviously you've you've been a, been around a few years now. Um, and you know, there was a time when you were in your younger days starting out in your career. What, how did you handle pre- peer pressure? And I guess it's not necessarily appropriate now because you're a family man and kind of removed from that scene. But you know, when you are someone who, who really wants to strive for the best that they can do, but they're being influenced by, you know, their, their teammates or friends around them, how do you deal with peer pressure? I guess, what advice will you give to your boys to handle that?
0: Um, ultimately, you've got to make your own decisions. Um, but again, if you're a driven sort of person and you've got what, something that you want to achieve, that's kind of irrelevant what anybody else says to you, quite frankly. Um, you know, I come from a background, well, just for instance, what I was saying even earlier, um, I was constantly told I wasn't good enough. Um, I was constantly told I wasn't fast enough. I was constantly told I can't tackle. I'm not physical. All these wee bits and pieces, which I've just taken and used as a bit of a burning flame. You know what I mean? It's sort of like I've got that mentality about me, well, I'll show you sort of thing. So that's kind of, but that's my mindset. It's diff- I'm not saying everybody's like that. Um, some people might take peer pressure and it might affect them in a completely different way. Um, you know, but I what I'd be trying to say is I'd be using it as fuel and using it as a tool to um, not really have a chip on your shoulder. That's probably not the right sort of thing. But um, I would be more inclined to, you know, don't, no point in being influenced by somebody who can't really, con- has much control over you. So to me, like uh, peer pressure, yes, you'll get it. But it's... Um, in the grand scheme of things, going forward, just use it as a as a fuel to
1: burn sure. the fire. For sure. Do you think? Where do you think that drive started? That kind of in in you that I'll show you kind of attitude. Okay. Did it? Did it
2: start?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did it? Well,
2: did it? I think it started with Gareth when he was playing football in the garden with his brother.
0: There you go. Cool.
2: <laughs> tell me, can you tell me the story?
0: You, can you tell the that story?
2: No, I just know that when we've talked about things like this before, because he was the younger brother.
0: Three years younger, I had one. Yeah,
2: three years difference. <laughs> he always wanted to be better, or at least as as good as your older brother. And
0: yeah. I think that's probably where it started. Yeah, it would do. Um, my parents were both uh, very sporty. My uh, old fella was a football man and my mother was mad into badminton. So we would spend a lot of our time at football clubs and then we'd be at the badminton club twice a week. So, you know, those were the kind of sports we were doing as kids. Um, I didn't go anywhere near rugby until I was, uh, I must have been about 10 or 11. Okay. You know, I, I was pure football. Did
1: you love it? Do
0: you take to it straight away? I took it on the basis that I got to play with my friends at school.
1: Okay, and
0: you had sausage and mash on a Sunday after. Yeah, well, we used to go, (laughs) we used to be at a Saturday morning, we would do. So my routine would be Saturday morning at the rugby and then Saturday afternoon up at the football with Dad. My my entire Saturday was built around that um, with a Monday night badminton and a Friday night badminton. So that's the way it would sort of be. And then on a Sunday... I'd go to church and come home with my wee waistcoat and my dicky bow on and I'd play snooker for about 3-4 hours in my snooker table at home. Because that's ultimately what I really wanted to be, was a full-time snooker player. Okay. But that didn't, um, the school stopped that and uh, the table, I outgrew the table that I was on. So. That's one thing I've told Karen that I wanna own before I finish and before I close my eyes is I wanna own own full size snooker table, so we need to get a house bigger in terms of the uh you know, the competitive edge, I got it purely off my parents and off um my brother. Just we were very competitive at a ring where it was, you know, when going through the WWE years whenever the rest rings were put out and I don't know how many beds We were smashed because we were suplexing each other on it, you know, so he was always the world champion. I was always the one below. So that's the way it always was, but it was just the way we were built. Like we were sporty yeah, yeah. and that's the way we were. There was no, there was no um, iPads and anything back then. It was very much, let's get out and sort of make our own fun.
1: i want to ask you about mental fragility. So how do you personally stay strong in ch- times of challenge?
0: um it's purely repetition so okay. um routine on, routine's massive so um even now we're in a routine we get stuck in a we're well, not stuck in a routine that's never the right thing but um if you have a set routine i know tomorrow morning i'm getting up what i'm doing um i'm not just getting up willy-nilly i'm not getting up but oh, i'll just get up whenever i want to get up I know that I'm getting up at a certain time to do a certain thing and it needs to get done by a certain time if I'm going to get on with homeschooling and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I know that whole mentality thing, it does sound regimented, but it it works for me. Um, It works with what I do um, because ultimately we need to be quite regimented in in our training. We need to be very disciplined in what we do Um, and being confident in what you do. So... Um, and I know if I've done enough, for instance, going into a game, if I've done a certain amount of kicks, I'm confident that I know what's going to work for me. I know if I've done a certain amount of tackles, I'm in the right frame of mind that I'm prepared for what's going to come. Um, and ultimately it's, it's a real simple thing for me. If you, if you're prepared, you feel confident, you feel good. Um, and that can be put into anything that can be put into, for instance, getting ready for work on the next day or whether it be business meetings getting ready for you know whatever needs to be done on certain business terms so um being quite routine in what you do um is really quite important i think and i think you would say the same because i have a, i like to keep a strict routine and oh. get things done and quite regimented
1: um i think this is something that the thought process that comes up quite often is those skills i think whatever sport you're in can transfer to the business world so powerfully, I think there's so many let- lessons we can learn um, from yeah, team sport especially I
0: agree completely. At the end of the day, we're all doing the same thing. It's, a, it's, it's sort of what I said at the start. We all want to achieve the same thing. Um, yeah. we're all from different backgrounds, we all come from different cultures, even
2: yeah.
0: um, and if we can get everybody aligned in the same way to go and do the same thing, you know it's a pretty powerful thing, and that can be used you know we use it even in the standoff you know it's we all want the standoff to be as successful as possible we all bring different skill sets to the standoff you know i'm not expecting you know our general manager to go in and start cooking a gourmet meal because that's not his gig and vice versa with the chef you know so we all need to understand what makes a a team strong and what we bring to it and um that's the beauty of a team i suppose
1: Okay, so Karen, I want to welcome you properly to the podcast. You've been sat really nicely behind, beside Stino here, uh, listening to him chat away. But I want to introduce you to our guest. So, so Karen, obviously, um, you're married to Stino, mum of the two lovely boys we've just been chatting about. Um, and you're also a doctor um, working on the front line at the moment. So, you're out there. With the rest of the key workers and those amazing group of people who are just keeping everything going right now. So first of all, I want to
2: welcome you and I want to ask you how you're doing. Well, thanks for having me. Um, No, we're doing okay. Um, It's been a very steep learning curve, I would say, for anybody working in the NHS or for any key worker who's had to adapt their work schedule and how they perform. Um, to um, make room for us not trying to manage this pandemic but um, yeah no it's, it's okay it's okay at the minute you're feeling good it's a weird kind of roller coaster of emotions I'm guessing it's a very strange roller coaster because initially when it all started you were being told that you had to prepare for something that's going to be so huge you'll never be able to cope with it anyway so okay. that was very hard And so we were putting, we were changing the way we were working. We were um, protecting our patients, protecting our staff, looking at what measures could be put in to to make sure that happened. All the while still providing the service. Um, So it's very, very hard. And you're constantly looking at figures coming out. What are the figures in Britain? What are the figures in England? What are the figures down here in the Southwest? Mm-hmm. um and and it's it's very hard it's changing all the time and um somebody in work um they came back after a week of annual leave and they came in and they said oh my goodness it's all changed i wish i'd never taken a week off and i said look it changes every single day the guidelines alter slightly so it doesn't matter whether you're off for one day or whether you're off for a week you're going to come in and have to try and feel like you're catching up with yeah. the new guidelines so it's strange but we're learning all the time and we're just trying to stay as safe as possible. But it's a bit like Gareth said, you kind of go on automatic. So you have a routine. So you don't really think about it until afterwards. So if I was doing a shift in the COVID assessment unit that we have, we've got hot and cold sites, but um, if it's your turn to be in the COVID assessment unit where you're seeing patients with possible COVID symptoms, um, you know, you don't, like the thought of it but then when you're in it you're fine you just go on automatic and you get through it and you make sure you go through all the proper procedures and precautions and um make sure that you're looking after yourself and making sure that you're giving the patients you're seeing the right advice and if they need escalation of care that you make sure you do it For sure. so it's kind of just it's part of your normal job really Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's muscle memory isn't it after you've seen you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of patients, you know, the signs to look out for. So although this is, with this pandemic and the coronavirus, this is something, you know, we haven't dealt with before, um, certainly in our lifetime here, you're still ultimately looking for the same signs in a patient, you know. So I still go through my normal procedure that I learned when I was first year medical school of how you assess a patient so it's stuff that you've done for years you just have to take out of your mind that this is a very serious infection and people can get very ill but you're still looking for the same signs that doesn't change mm.
1: do you think we've got it under control down here or are you expecting i know you were set up you said and i know we're set up to expect the worst are you, yeah. how do you personally feel
2: well i feel at the minute it's been Steady. There have been low numbers of cases, but there have been cases dripping all the time. But if you look at any graphs, we are in a good area of England, we're we're the lowest. Mm. So that's great. But I am very wary about the summer months. Everybody who lives in England, they're not going to go abroad on a holiday. If the lockdown is relaxed and people are allowed to move around the country a bit more, I can see a lot of people coming to the West Country for their summer holidays, and I worry that when they come to the West Country, they will bring with them something we don't want. And therefore, I think we're going to see perhaps an abnormal peak in cases during the summer months when lockdown is relaxed. So in other areas of the country, you may see the curve flatten. then you may see an abnormal peak here in the West country. But in saying that there are no guidelines yet from the government about how relaxed the lockdown is going to get or what they're going to say about traveling and going on holiday or going to second homes. We're not sure what's coming there. It's kind of a watch and wait approach, but I do think that in the Southwest are, we may be slightly different to the rest of the country.
1: Okay, and maybe the potential, I mean, purely
2: hypothetically, of locking borders, potentially, to contain? Yeah, I mean, we're not, um, our counties aren't quite divided up like the American states, where people have complete control over them. Um, so how they would police that, you know, I don't know. Um, but yes, um, I mean, that's certainly something to think about but I, I just don't know the practicalities of how they yeah. would get that done. Yeah.
1: Too, too many routes into, into the county. Ideally, it yeah. would be a perfect scenario, but... Yeah. yeah. So I guess there's a sense of potentially um, a complacency from us as well, from us here in, in the Southwest, in that we're doing fine, the numbers are low. Mm-hmm. And I think, for me, that complacency is the biggest danger.
2: Yeah I would 100% agree with that and when the lockdown first happened and I was leaving to go to work in the morning and coming back at night and I would describe the roads as like driving on Christmas day. Do you know when you drive on the roads on Christmas day and there isn't anybody there? It was exactly like that and now it just seems busier. Yeah
1: like
2: a normal day almost? Almost almost yeah so it does seem busier and i think maybe people are thinking gosh aren't we doing well down here i think mm-hmm. i will just yeah. take my chances and do a little bit more or venture a little bit further from home
1: right so so i want to kind of to, to move away then and, and talk about life we mentioned the standoff earlier so you talk about life at the standoff and you know how things is that it, have we got is everything on hold right now? Are there plans being made for a reset? Getting back into it? Or are you starting to think about business opportunities beyond a rugby life now? Has this given you time to start thinking?
0: Um, well, in terms of the standoff, for instance, we um, you know we're just adhering to the government guidelines, which it's, it's you know pretty plain and simple at the minute. Until we've heard more from the government, we don't really. We can't really put plans in place because we don't know when we're going to open again, mm-hmm. which is very difficult. Um, you know, we're we're in a position we've we've got staff furloughed. We've done all the right things that we need to do. Um, we're in a position now where hopefully, when this pandemic ends, that we we will be okay. Um, you know, I think we I think we will be. Um, the biggest thing is, like I said, whenever those guidelines come out, how many people's allowed to the door. You know, all these different things. There's loads of uh, rumours going around what's going to happen. But until we know exactly for sure, we can't really plan a lot. Um, but, you know, going forward, you know, we, we feel we're in a good sp- pay- place for the standoff. What we were looking to achieve, we were about to launch a new menu before um, the lockdown happened we just just sort of getting ourselves established as a real place for live music which um you know we're basically booked up for every saturday night going forward right up to christmas which is great we have a lot of bookings already for christmas which is great as well um and you know we're in a good spot um but hopefully like i said when this ends um we'll come out of it good and i'm sure people will want to come back to a pub whenever they get the opportunity so um, yeah um and the live sport comes back so yeah, yeah you know we we are where we're at i think there's so many businesses and so many questions up in the air but again we're very much sitting waiting to hear what the government have to say and once we can hear what the the plan is we can go forward from that
1: yeah um, one day at a time right
0: yeah well this is it we can't like you can't control it so you just let it happen
1: mm. So a question if we kind of work towards, to work towards wrapping this one up. Um, a question to both of you. What will be your most resounding memory from this time? Oh, um, a, you know that there, there's always light and there's dark and however the seven, eight, nine, ten 10 weeks, whatever we're, we're here for has, hold, has held for us there will be moments of light, you know, there's, I know there are so many things that I'll look back on and, you know, and really treasure. Um, And I guess, you know, Karen, what, what for you kind of from, I I, I guess from, from working life and home, what is it that really, that will stay with you? What moments of positivity,
2: I guess? And I think home life, I would say, The boys have been amazing. That includes you, Gareth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that includes you. Um, I just think everybody has just accepted everything. They've got on with it. Gareth has taken a leap with the homeschooling on the days I'm not there, and everyone just has this can-do attitude. And um, there's always excitement, isn't there? Every day when we're all together on what our activity is going to be that day. Oh. So whether it be a walk or a bike ride more mm-hmm. recently, you know, it just, I'd say not that we weren't a strong family unit, but it's really brought us all together. And um, we're just so accepting of it. Nobody is, there's been the odd little moment on a naughty step, but I've been so impressed on on how the boys have managed it. I think that, and you always think your children are amazing, but I think I've got a five and a seven year old and they are quite content to go out into the garden and kick their ball. Mm. There's no, I want to go swimming. There's no, we did have the odd, I'd like a trip to Creeley or something like that. But the very understanding of it and they just seem really mature. And I think, gosh, I haven't given them enough credit in the past. They are actually mature little men. Yeah, yeah. And then work wise, I would just say it's been teamwork. So I, I guess you know, similar to the environment that Gareth describes when he goes to work, but everybody has just stepped up. No one has complained. Everybody has just adapted to new ways of working. So it's just having flexibility and being able to adapt. It's just so impressive. And you walk out of work thinking, I'm so proud of every single person here.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. That's that's really beautiful. Thank you.
0: Gareth? Uh, look, everything sort of Karen sort of said. You can sort of see it like even what we're doing, um, all the lads are, you know, we, we have to buy into what we're doing. Um, the, you know, I think we're in week seven of what we're trying to, we're almost another pre-season, yet you're doing it on your own. Um, but I don't feel I'm doing it on my own, which strangely enough, it's bizarre. I'm getting up early in the morning and I go out into, you know, into the garage and, do a bit of a workout, but I feel very much like somebody's motivating me because I might have had a message at seven o'clock in the morning saying I've just finished a walk bike and this is my scores. So you kind of always That's a
1: competitive drive that. <laughs> yeah,
0: but thankfully I don't have a walk bike out there, so I can't compete with that, <laughs> um, which is great. But again, we're all bouncing off one another, and I think the the camaraderie we've got amongst the group has been great. Also catching up with people that I, like I said, like even talking to some friends I hadn't spoken to in 18 years, you know, and we're just sitting having a great conversation. We're now chatting to each other and, you know, WhatsApp messages all the time, which is great. And, you know, you're speaking every night. We speak to family members via FaceTime. You know, I've seen my mother more now than I've seen <laughs> her in the last well 10 years, maybe. Um
1: She's a whiz on the bit on WhatsApp video, isn't
0: she? They're all so proud of themselves that they can work it. Well, it's kind of doing as well. Like even I'm starting to learn how to do Instagram live live stories and stuff like that. It's all bizarre, but I
1: did see the other
0: night. Well, it was a bit bizarre. I'm not gonna lie, trying to learn how to do it. I think I did uh, by mistake. I put it on the day before by mistake. I couldn't get the thing off. You know, so. You know, I've got Sladey texting me saying I'm a dinosaur and all that. But, you know, I'm trying to learn. Um, But, you know, I think a lot of people are going to come out of it and our whole way of life will be different. Um, But I think it'll be for the better. And I think we'll be doing things in a a better... Just... You know, like you said earlier, you talked about slowing down and actually taking things into account and actually going and thinking, yes, this is what I can and can't do on a day-to-day basis. And it's not as important. I don't have to get things done maybe that quick, or maybe Mm -hmm. I do. But it's not being as stressed about doing those things. And I think positive messages as well. You know, even at Chiefs, we've done this Make the Call campaign. Yeah. And a lot of people have talked about, you know, how great it is to have heard from I don't know, X amount of hearing from me or hearing from Dawn. Yeah, Armand makes the their day. Makes their day. But to be honest with you, uh, I've, I've spoken to a few people now. Um, I just like doing it. I like speaking to people because it's quite nice to speak to someone you don't know. And they're asking me questions. Do you yeah. know what I mean? As and, much as, as much as they feel they're getting something, it's, it's us speaking there. It's, it's just nice to hear. Yeah. A completely different story from someone who's completely I might speak to them for two minutes after a game, but sit there and have a 20-minute conversation with somebody. You know, I come off the phone feeling good, and they've come off the phone hopefully feeling good too. So, for sure. we're just kind of, it's bringing everybody together in a, in a in a in a strange way. And if we can all stop watching the news, because it just seems to bring nothing but bad news. So, I'm just sort know. of try and get a positive mindset in this, because we are going to come out of it at some point. Uh, we will better off.
1: Yeah, we will, hundred percent. I absolutely believe that that despite what we'll, we're we're facing, we will come out better from it. And I think there is this really lovely sense of common ground that we all have. We all understand the grief. We all understand the challenges. We all understand, you know, that we're all on our own journeys. And I think that's there's 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 a beauty in that. It's it's um, connection, and I think. That so for me, it's connection that's come from
0: this. Um I completely! Yeah. Well, everybody's going through it, so there's not one person on this planet who's not yeah. going through it. Yeah. Whoever yeah. it is, and you know, and I think everyone is now seeing that we're all exactly the same, and nobody's immune to this um, disease or this virus. And you know, we're all got a, We're all trying. We all want to do different things, but we all got one goal, and that's to beat the thing. So yeah. hopefully, we'll do that
1: and we will we will for certain um guys both of you thank you so much for your time we recorded this in the evening because we wanted to get the boys in bed first which was just lovely i love that <laughs> um thank you so much thanks so much for listening to my conversation with gareth Steenson. um remember you are the solution finders you're the entrepreneurs the change makers the leaders you don't have to know all the right answers, but your tribes, customers, and teams need to know and they need to hear that it will be okay and that together you can make common sense decisions based on the information emerging each day. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review, hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you'll come back next Friday for more. And in the meantime, please stay safe, and look out for each other, and most importantly, be kind.